listeners, and welcome back to this week's bonus episode of With Love, Victoria. I'm creator Rachel Garnett, and today I am joined by the Queen Mother and her comptroller, Emily Song Tyler and Seth Hatch. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to have you guys here to talk about episode two and what an episode it was. We got to meet uh, Lord Melbourne in this episode, and we got to see the two of you starting to lose a little bit of control. So I'm excited to uh, talk with each of you about your characters and about coming to this process. So I'm going to start with the Queen Mother, Emily. You play Queen Victoria's mom, uh, Victoria or Victoire. So tell us a little bit about how you found our German mama. Have you had a good time? Yeah, I do love calling her the German mama. It's been fun when uh, Rachel is like, hey, do you want to play the German mama? And I'm like, okay. But she is a very interesting lady. Did you know anything about Queen Victoria's mom when you came into this? Absolutely nothing. I'm a little ashamed to say. History has never been (laughs) my uh, top interest. But now I've done some research and she was very, very controlling and probably makes sense why uh, Victoria was a little emotional as well. Indeed. Uh, after like a whole childhood of not being able to control anything about how she felt and acted, it's no surprise that they had a bit of a falling out for a while. And then Seth, how have you found playing Sir John Conroy? Conroy is so much fun to play. You know, as a younger actor, you don't really get these opportunities to play the villains. So getting to come in and take on this villain character has been such a joy, especially because when you come into a role, you've always got to find something to love about them. And with Conroy, he's so plotting and there's so much nefariousness and how he shapes his relationship with Victoria that to look at him, to zoom out and look at his character and say, oh, there were reasons why he did this and this and this. And in the end, it might not have been the best thing, but for Conroy in that moment, it was the best. And finding these little details and playing with it and just exploring has been such a joy. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because it's definitely been such a joy to get to listen to you play him. I mean, he's such a fun, <laughs> that, you know, we talk about how he's like the Disney villain of the show. because uh, he, he is Jafar. <laughs> yeah, he's very Jafar-esque. In the last episode, Kayla kind of equated your relationship and kind of the control you wield, similar to like Rasputin and the Romanov. So he's definitely one heck of a character to play and definitely, you know, a very interesting historical character to learn about. Seth, you said that you obviously consider him the villain of this story or a villain-esque personality. Mm-hmm. It's interesting Emily, do you consider Victoire a villain personality or how do you approach her? I think she's more of a victim in a way. She's widowed twice, so she lost two husbands and her first husband was previously married to her aunt, which is very creepy. These royal relations are crazy. I know, I know. It's insane. But she pretty much grew up as someone who was controlled to help the men, you know, move forward in their ascensions Mm -hmm. so to say so it makes sense that she would fall into the same pattern with uh conroy and conroy was introduced through her older brother who was also pretty much controlling her finances oh interesting i don't even know if i knew that you two the the conroy and victoire experts (laughs) yeah she was didn't have when her second husband died she inherited all of his debt oh so 
she pretty much relied on her older brother, Leopold, who was then like, oh, here's Conroy. He's going to help you out and be your accountant, basically. Well, it's interesting. So in the last episode, Kayla and I talked about a character who didn't make it into the show. And Leopold uh, is another one of them because Victoria was very close to her uncle. He was the king of Belgium. And he didn't make it into the show either. But the kind of you were talking about the control that Victoire had been under her whole life and how she was basically serving all these men. And Leopold was definitely one of them. Her husbands were definitely one of them. Conroy, she kind of put him in that place when she really didn't have anybody else. It's interesting because Leopold definitely played a large role in the kind of things we see Conroy and Victoire doing in the show. Because later in a, a future episode, we'll see Conroy and Victoire conspiring to get Victoria married. And that was also something that her brother Leopold played a really large role in. But so far, what has been the thing that you've had the most fun with in the show? I think just being able... Well, I've never done an audio podcast before, so the different medium is very fun to explore. But also, especially with her, to play someone historical. And Seth, how about you? I think I'd agree with Emily to begin with that this audio world has has really been an interesting thing to explore and get to know. And I think it's a really intimate space, too, because the joy of theater, live theater, is that when the lights go down, it's such this, it's, it gives us this ambiance of, of privateness to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the audio world, you kind of get that too, because you can do it anywhere. You can do it in the comfort of your room. So it's been interesting to explore that and see the similarities between live theater and this medium that we're exploring. But aside from that, just in this character, we'll see in a coming episode, my song Regency, how much fun was that? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I mean, I it's a patter song. There are so many layers within it and it happens so quickly, but it lays everything on the floor for you of why Conroy is doing what he's doing. And being able to explore that and just bite into that song was was so much fun. Well, and going back to what we said earlier about Conroy being kind of this villain personality, it's definitely your Disney villain song. Oh, absolutely. You guys listening have a big treat coming for you on Monday. It's the opening song to the third episode. And it is just delightful. And you can hear <laughs> Seth's evil delight. Seth, what was something super interesting that you discovered about this one heck of a guy, Sir John Conroy. Tell us a little bit about your research process. Sure. So one thing that really helped me lock into Conroy is that it's easy, like I was saying before, it's easy to look at him and say, what a jerk, what an awful person to treat Victoria in this way, to be controlling of her, this and that. But if you look back at him, it's all decisions to get him to the next point. Now, one thing that I will say about Conroy is that He had a little bit of trouble staying present. You know, he was never satisfied with what he had and what was going on in his life at that time. So he started as a British army officer. So he's low ranking. And at a young age, he decides to just start climbing the ranks further and further. What can I do next to get to the next point? So after his years of being an army officer, well, within that, he marries And through his marriage, he climbs another step. So that was his beginning to ascend. So then a couple of years later, he becomes 
Prince Edward's equerry. So he's basically, to put it in simple terms, he's responsible for the horses. Like, who who would ever think that that was something? <laughs> like, I don't know, is he shoveling horse poop? Is he combing them? I don't know what that totally entails. But if you look deeper, he also was responsible for getting Edward and Victoire back to the palace for Victoria to be born on time in England, mm. um, which I thought was really interesting because they wanted her to be born on that English soil. So that was his first big thing. Was that just like the horse guy came up and said, hey, man, you know that baby your wife's pregnant with? She should have that on British soil. Prince Edward was like, I like this guy. Yes. <laughs> he said, send the horses now. Uh. But so he was, I mean, that's where Edward first fell in love with him. And then after Edward died, you know, Conroy saw a big problem. He said, this was the end of the line for me. I no longer have a position here. How can I insert myself further into this family? So that's really when he became Victoire's comptroller. He became her confidant, her political advisor, her financier. He really took control of her life. He inserted himself into that relationship and said, this is how I'm going to get to the next step. And as Victoria inched closer and closer to ascending the throne, he helped develop the Kensington system. He started controlling Victoria more and more. And he kind of wedged that bad taste between Victoire and Victoria. And he also did it between himself and Victoria. But in the end, I don't think he was too concerned about it because as long as he was climbing that rope and getting higher and higher, that's all that was important. He needed to make sure that he was top dog. Mm. And so I have a question for Emily then about Conroy and his kind of social climbing. Do you think that Victoire was completely unaware of the social climbing or she didn't care because she wanted a companion in this kind of desolate world she had been left in a foreign country? Well, I think she was definitely aware of it. But Conroy, I think, was also comfort because there are rumors that they had an affair. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That, Seth um... actually texted me before this. And he was like, so, like, do you believe in this affair? So let's talk about a bit of the gossip rags. So there's not a, a lot of historical, like, evidence of this being happening. But anytime there's, like, a relationship between a man and a woman in this time period, people will talk. So, Indeed. yeah, what's your opinion? Do you think that this this relationship of trust and whatever escalated to anything more. I think it could have. I mean, it was 19 years that they were practically living together. Well, can you imagine that, like, these kind of rumors that were going on back in the 19th century, they probably were like, oh, this will pass. And here we are in 2021 being like, so, like, do you think? (laughs) Oh, because it's so good, though. Like, (laughs) juicy. why would, mm, yes, I love it. I'm totally into it. I'm here for it. Let let the affairs run rampant. Could have been something there. I think, I mean, there was such dedication to, what do you think, I mean, none of us in this group have children, but uh, <laughs> Seth and I have both taken care of children and cared about them dearly. But what do you think about the kind of presentation in, as you read about the relationship between Victoire and, I almost said Seth, <laughs> Sir John Conroy, um, that there definitely felt like there was this prioritizing of Conroy over Victoria by Victoire. How do you feel about playing this character who definitely seems to prioritize someone else over her own child? Huh. I think that she really thinks she's doing 
the best for Victoria. Because the whole idea of the Kensington system, which is very cruel of a way to grow up, but the whole idea was that she was, Victoria was completely dependent on Victoria and Conray, and that the public would then need her as the regent. She was constantly paranoid that her brother or the king would take Victoria away from her. So I think it all came out of a place of paranoid love for her child. What's always interesting in these situations, in this kind of politically conniving world, what is the difference between like paranoia and genuine fear? Because Mm -hmm. Victoria had had like genuine death threats and assassination attempts, even as a young child. And then Victoire was also afraid that people would come and take her child. How much do you think was justified and how much do you think was perhaps a little just she's being fed things from Conroy? Uh, Was it justified? I don't know if it was justified from the outside, but for her, it was probably very necessary in her mind, I would think. Mm, Interesting. Um, To be fair, though, like from an outside perspective, it's crazy. The whole system, everything is crazy that... (laughs) Like, literally, she lived in the same room as her mother. She was not allowed out of sight by anybody. Yeah. Or do you know she she couldn't walk down the stairs without holding somebody's hand? Right. She couldn't walk down the stairs. She couldn't see anybody outside of, like, Conroy's children. It almost feels like it was put in place to protect Victoire more. Like, she needed Victoria so badly. She needed that companionship or just absolute control over her daughter. Right. And I think Victoria also gave her purpose. A hundred percent. And so here's something else that does not come up in the show, but you have briefly touched on how she was married before. She had other children. Yes, she had two children. And how do you think that whole relationship went? We don't get to explore that in the show just because having a bunch of kids in the beginning when we're trying to establish who Victoria is was going to be a little confusing. But how do you view Victoire's honing in on Victoria over her other children? Well, I know in the beginning, she really cared about them, at least, because when Leopold wanted her to marry her second husband, she did not want to. But one of the compromises was that she would be able to see her two previous children. I don't really know what happened once Victoria came around in terms of the children. Well, so Victoria had a very fond view of her step-siblings. I do know that. She wrote in her diary about them often, especially Theodore, who was her stepsister. But from what I recall, when Theodore got married and left England, she felt very betrayed. And Victoria very much had this like lifelong, had lifelong abandonment issues, which adds up. That's why she was so devastated, I think, in later life by Albert's death. Spoiler alert for history, her husband dies. (laughs) Because she was so isolated, and then inside that isolation, the few people she did have always did seem to be leaving. Yeah, or betraying. Correct. So here's something that I wanted to mention, talking about a little historical inaccuracy. We haven't seen this yet, but it has been mentioned to in the show by Beatrice that Sir John Conroy, you don't stick around forever. Right. You will eventually be banished. Beatrice's line, however, says eventually... Oh, actually... It's um, Bertie says eventually she was able to banish him off to some Irish wasteland, but you don't get banished off to Ireland. He was Irish, but he got banished off. He became a gentleman farmer. Mm. Yes. 
Sexy. And through that farming, kept trying his hand at, at ascending and uh, failed quite miserably, accumulated a lot of debt, died, passed it on to his kids, you know, normal stuff. You know, like every good father. <laughs> when you're trying to become the regent of your country. And Victoire did eventually admit when she was trying to reconcile with Victoria that Conroy had done great harm. And also had not always been honest because apparently a large portion of her sums are missing when Conroy was in charge of them. Oh, interesting. Well, let's talk about this reconciliation that happens between Victoria and Victoire. Another thing that we don't really get to explore in the show, Victoire appears in the show after Conroy leaves, but we don't very explicitly have a moment where they're like, I like you, you like me, okay, we're healed. And either of you can answer this. Do you think that that sort of reconciliation could have happened if Conroy was still around? No, I don't think so. I agree. I don't think so either. I think Conroy wanted such control over that relationship between Victoire and Victoria. I think it's easy to see that Victoria was extremely intelligent. I mean, Victoire and Conroy put her in that position where through the Kensington system, she gained this mass amount of knowledge. She was in, I think she was incredibly intelligent. And I think without him there, Victoria had free reign to have that relationship with her mother however she wanted to. And Victoire was so impressionable that no matter what Conroy had told her, I think with that influence of Victoria and Victoria showing her mother that they have the potential to have a good relationship and what would actually help benefit it, I think had Conroy been there, it would not have gone that way. It was in no interest for them to have a good relationship, I don't think. And it is interesting when they did reconcile, it was mostly because of Albert pushing Victoria for it and because Victoria had her first child. And maybe it was something about not having a grandparent in your life that she realized, like, I should have my mother there for my child. And that's mm. so for me. Well, and also Albert, he lost his mother very young because she had an affair, was exiled, and then died a few years later, and he presumably never saw her again. And so I think his own relationship to family later in life influenced Victoria pretty greatly in terms of his suffering softened her anger, Right, I think. And her anger is definitely justified. I mean, a hundred percent. She never really got um, over. Well, they used to go on all the trips around the country to present her. Oh, when she was little. Yes. But I guess she got really sick and like almost died on one of them. And Sir John Conroy tried to steal the crown from her while she was but literally when she was yeah, she was like dying and Conroy <laughs> was like, Hey, why don't you uh sign me on <laughs> right now? Yeah, he, he was like, sign this piece of paper and she was like, Excuse was me, like... I'm dying. Well it's funny because that's a common thing with him too, is that when her father was dying, he tried to have him agree that Conroy would be Victoria's parent, basically. I mean, he was basically asking that he would have control over her after he died. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I mean, this thing of sneaking up on people in their, <laughs> in their weakest hours is like a common thing with him. Like, in what kind of person? Like, what? Yeah, what a legit snake. I know, right? So Victoria never really forgave either of them for that, which... You know, I would have trouble forgiving that as well, if that were me. So, 
What's so funny, we've spent so much of this time talking about what might have been redeemable about Victoire and their relationship, and it's complicated. She obviously made bad choices for her daughter, but they probably came out of love with Conroy. I'm sitting here like, this guy, what is his deal? <laughs> He's just a businessman, right? Yeah, it's power moves power and business. business this and business that. Money, influence, yeah. He's got things to do, people to see. Crowns to steal. Crowns to steal. So let's change uh, direction here a little bit and move on from the history and talk a little bit about the actual production that you guys did on the show. You talked about this audio format that's kind of new to all of us, I think. How was it recording a show so completely separately? So it's really interesting doing this audio experience because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're all on our own. We're not allowed to be together right now. But through this process of working together and finding a project to bring us all together and something to work towards, something to bring to an audience. It's this process that is bringing so much joy and so much comfort and an experience that we can all be a part of. So in a sense, it's together but separate. Absolutely. Yeah. And how fun is that to to be able to get together with creatives, people with like minds to work on something new, to work on a story that's so beloved, to fall in love with these characters and share it with people wherever they are. They can plug in anywhere. And here we are sharing this joy with them. Uh, to piggyback off that, yeah, it's just so exciting to, well, first of all, Rachel's an incredible writer. So to receive Aww. the scripts, <laughs> all is in awe of what she can create. My brain does not work that way. But to receive the material and then do your little bits, which, you know, pros and cons to being able to do it on your own is that you have as many takes as you want, but then you get very, very yes. picky. And something that should take like five minutes might end up taking a couple hours. But it's almost like Christmas when you see the full episode. Well, see, hear the full episode because it's like opening a present when everything just comes together and you don't know like what it's going to be like, but then you hear it and it sounds amazing. And everyone's so talented. So about a week ago, you guys got to sit down with the cast over Zoom. Uh, and we had a listening party. Yeah. How was it hearing? Because you two had never even recorded together your scenes, which are almost always together. Right. So how was it hearing it all coherent and not just me doing a one-woman <laughs> performance for you as you recorded your lines? We love Rachel's one-woman performance. Well, first of all, it's so cool that we finally got to meet everybody in the cast you know, we did the reading over a year ago, and there were some people who were similar, but now we've got these new voices and these new faces who we got to meet and who we got to see what they could bring to the project and being able to listen to it all together. You know, when the the first episode starts, you kind of get that tingle of like the orchestra warming up or the lights going down and to just close your eyes and build that world for yourself all together, you know, you've got this joy of creating something together. It's our baby. So true. And also just to start putting some names to faces, because that's also unique about audio is that, you know, no one knows what we look like. True. Unless they look us up. Unless you go to rachelgarnett.com <laughs> and check out that cast page to see everyone and their and lovely And my God, faces. what a cast it is. Mm -hmm. We're all very handsome. <laughs> very handsome <laughs> cast indeed. Well, Emily and Seth, thank you so much for joining me today. It was so great to talk about the show and talk about these characters. Where can we find you out in the world and on the interwebs? Let's start with Emily. 
You can find me on Instagram at Emily Song Tyler. Or, yeah, that's about... Oh, my website is emilysongtyler.com. And Mr. Hatch? Of course. My Instagram handle is Seth underscore Hatch, or you can check out what I'm up to at SethHatch.com. And if you would like to follow the show, you can keep up with With Love Victoria on Instagram at With Love Victoria Musical. You can also check out my website to see the faces of the beautiful cast and learn more about the story and development at RachelGarnet.com. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of With Love Victoria, and we hope to see you on Monday for episode three. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.